I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome into the Bears Illustrated podcast presented by BearsIllustrated.com, your home for Baylor athletics and recruiting on 24-7 sports. I'm Pranay Malampati alongside Andrew Miner, and joining us today is Josh Neighbors, host of the Locked On Big 12 podcast. Excited to have you on, Josh. Be glad to be here. Yeah, Josh, uh, I, I see you're in Northern Virginia. That's actually where I'm from originally. So what, what, whereabouts are you uh, at over there? So actually, uh, right now I am in Richmond, Virginia, but I am traveling to D.C. tomorrow uh, to do some work for Sirius XM. So I'll be in D.C. So I am between both uh, Central Virginia and Northern VA. Okay, that that that's fair enough. That's fair enough. I went to Langley High School, so right by the CIA. There you go, CIA. Yep, CIA HQ. Yep. Langley yeah, is mentioned in every in every like spy show on television. Yeah, yeah, the the born the born uh the born movies and, yes. and all all those good you know good flicks. So, uh, but I'm I'm a huge Nats fan my, myself, and uh, so I'm not sure how big of a Nats fan you are, but uh, I host uh, the Locked On Nationals podcast in addition to the yeah. Locked, in addition to Locked On Big Twelve. So I am uh, I'm. It's funny, you know. It's like things were pretty calm. We're doing everything. You know, everything's going well. Then all, then all of a sudden, the one side of stuff happens while the Pac-12 stuff is happening. So uh, it is a busy time for both the podcasts that I have going right now. Yeah, you've been busy to say the least. I, I found it interesting. So obviously Soto, the news about him declining the $440 million uh, offer, and, and then he won the home, home run derby. <laughs> well, the last right. time that the Nats had such a big name, win the home run derby, and then leave in free agency – they won the World Series the next year, so I don't know. Maybe, maybe DC fans have, maybe, uh, have something maybe to it could repeat itself. I doubt it, though. <laughs> As a Phillies fan, I hope you're play. wrong, but we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the reason we wanted to have you on is obviously there's so much going on in the Big Twelve right now. Um, recently, Brett Yormark. Brett Yormark was hired as the new Big 12 commissioner. And then with USC and UCLA leaving the Pac-12, there's talks of the Big 12 adding some of those other Pac-12 teams to, to increase revenue for the conference. And recently you tweeted saying that even if there's Pac-12 teams that don't fit the Big 12's culture, we should still add them. And I, I wanted to ask you, do you think culture should not be a consideration at all? Or should, be, should there just be a threshold of, how much revenue a school would bring in yeah like i don't care like i really just don't like you can you can take your culture comments and stick them you know where like honestly <laughs> i mean I, I think people who are who are big 12 fans who don't care about that stuff who do care about stuff rather forget the spot we were in one year ago guys one year ago the big 12 felt like they were on the ropes and it felt like people were saying you know this is over it's, it's not going to work anymore 
And, uh, you know, it's just, it's a house of cards waiting to fall much kind of, you know, like the Pac-12 is now. And so that's why I'm, I'm kind of saying this, like, I don't care. Brett Yormark's, you know, mandate is to add value to the conference. He's mentioned that. So I don't really care that much about culture. Now, I know there's a lot of Big 12 fans, and I know Baylor is included in this group, where there were some folks in the Pac-12 who did not want to be in the conference with a BYU of the world because of their religious affiliation. Well, times are changing, all right? People adapt, people evolve. There can no longer be that level of intolerance, whether it be for religion, for no religion, whatever it is. If you want to be playing big time college football, if you want to still be in this game and this game feels like it's consolidating power right now, then, you know, you're going to have to suck that up. It feels like I don't think Utah, I don't think Colorado, uh, I don't think the Arizona schools have any problem with it. If they were to go after a Stanford, a Cal, an Oregon, or a Washington, then that's where it would come into play. But really, like, you know, how? I mean, come on now. Like, does it really matter that much? I mean, Oregon, Oregon, and Washington—they were going to go to join the ACC. Like, Duke is in that conference. Wake Forest is in that conference. Boston College is in that conference. There are religiously affiliated schools in those conferences. So. That stuff's going to go out the window. Like it should not matter for anybody because it's about survival. And if you're the Pac-12 and the Big 12, you know, beggars can't be choosers, especially if you're the Pac-12. So that stuff to me, it doesn't matter. It might matter to some of y'all out there, but come on now. This is big business and that stuff will go by the wayside so that the dollars and cents will make more sense. Josh, you mentioned just a year ago where Texas and Oklahoma jettisoned to the SEC and everybody thinks the Big 12 is going to collapse. And now, you know, it, I, won't, I don't want to say stronger than ever, but they, they did a brilliant job of uh, showing a bunch of resilience, adding, adding four new uh, schools, uh, BYU being chief among those. Uh, what have you heard in the aftermath uh, that the Pac-12 has done to, you know, either try to keep everybody together or look at new schools or is every, is everything just very fractured uh, in the Pac, in the Pac 12 conference? Because last year it just seemed like the big 12 just kind of rallied in the face of adversity and the back 12 maybe is not doing so uh, this, this go around. Well, there was more availability back then. You have to realize that like there were more schools that you could take. So the Pac 12 is down to 10. I think the big thing for them too, is two of their brands are going to be sought after. Like, Oregon and Washington are desirable brands. So people should target them. After OU and Texas left, people don't see any of the big 12 brands. Like I think they should be desirable, but like people don't see them as desirable. Their conferences don't see that. So nobody was targeting them. USC and UCLA went away, but there are still two really good schools. I actually, I worked uh, the ACC channel today, ACC Today, with Roy Philpott and Tom Luganbill, and those guys were pretty open to the idea of starting a West Coast branch of the ACC. And the first schools they mentioned were Oregon and Washington. Those are the schools they mentioned. So it's different for the Pac-12, but the problem is they, they might have two desirable brands left, but people want to poach them, whether it be the Big Ten or the ACC or the Big 12. Like, I don't know what they can do to add very much out there out West to make that a more valuable place than what any of the other conferences could offer. 
So I think that's their big problem. And I think that's why those four corner schools, Utah, Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, they probably realize that. They probably realize if they attach themselves to Oregon and Washington for however many years, like there's no guarantee they can keep, you know, they can stay attached. Those two schools might leave. So it may be better off if they make the choice for themselves and go and make a move uh, before then. So look, they're in their exclusive rights window right now. Uh, it's a 30 day window. I think we're roughly probably what halfway. Uh, when do we get the, the big, the big 10 news probably two, three weeks ago. So they're around, you know, they're, they're in the halfway range through that window. And we heard the merger news last night. We heard the big 12 walked away from it. So how good of a position are they in really, I think is a good question. And what does that mean for the schools who might want out? Josh, I think everyone knows that Oregon and Washington are probably the, the two powerhouse type schools remaining in the Pac-12. So how strong do you think the Big 12's chances are of adding those two schools? And if they can't get them, should they go after not only the four corner schools, but also a Stanford or a Cal? Well, I think if you target the four corner schools, you actually could get Oregon and Washington afterwards because think about it, guys, there's 10 teams left in the Pac-12. If you take four, you've made a 16 conference, 16 conference, right? So a 16 conference with uh, Oregon, Oregon State, Washington, Washington State, Stanford, and Cal, and pick, take your pick, SMU, Boise, San Diego State, Fresno State, UNLV, Nevada, like it's still not that good of a league. And so with that, you have to think, you know, if you can knock that down to a six-team conference by taking those four schools, Oregon and Washington's hand might get forced and they might say, all right, well, this looks, you know, this looks like at least something we can do in the short term, we'll jump because the Big Ten I think is waiting on Notre Dame. The ACC, I mean, they, they want Notre Dame. They're not going to get Notre Dame. That's not happening. The ACC's, the ACC's TV deal is so bad that like there's no, like Notre Dame right now, we saw the article from Dennis Dodd on CBS Sports, wants $75 million a year and might partner the Big 12 uh, in, a, in a way on NBC to make that happen. Um, th- I mean, that ACC contract is nowhere in that neighborhood right now. Not even close. So, um I think that is, you know, I think the Big Ten should add Oregon, Washington. I think it adds value. I think you go, you go west and you add Nike's college football team and you add, uh, you know, Seattle, Washington to your footprint. It's pretty good stuff, to be honest. So I think they should do that. But if they leave there, the Big 12 should target them. But I think the Big 12 could make them come to the table if they target the four corner schools. Uh, a 16 Big 12, uh, Pac-12 rather, I mean, good. That, that thing's done. It's done. If you take my Oregon or Washington, or you take the four corner schools, that conference is, is, it's as good as done. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned, you know, the news that the big 12 and pac 12, you know, won't partner on anything. Can you kind of expand on what you were hearing on what, you know, maybe the goals were of, of those negotiations or, or, you know, zoom calls that they had, or, you know, what, what was the, you know, maybe the, the end desire for both the leagues where it was it to merge fully um, type thing. And why did they walk away? Well, I encourage everybody to go over and read Stuart Mandel's article at ESPN. He lays it out there pretty fully. But to my to my knowledge, to my understanding, it, it's this, is that 
Brett Yormark said the Big 12 was open for business and they they were fielding all calls and they, they were exploring all opportunities. In, in Stuart Mandel's piece, he lays out the three things that could have happened. It was a scheduling alliance, association, affiliation, whatever word you want to use. It was a rights pooling and it was an all-out merger. The only one that interested the Big 12 was the all-out merger. They went back and they looked and said, this is not valuable enough for us. And so they can take a step back and say, no, the Pac-12, a source told Stuart Mandel, hey, uh, we can't do this deal because our rights come up at different times. That's BS. They come up within two years of each other. And if you were in cahoots together and you guys wanted to work together, it would have happened. So that, that's not true. The, the Big 12 walked away from this, from what I understand. And uh, they can now pick off those teams individually if they, if they want to try to do that. With that said, what are the chances the Pac-12 is standing when this is all said and done? Is there even a shot that the Pac-12 could be a conference, a power conference in 2024, 2025? It could be. I mean, I, I don't think anything's out of the realm of possibility um, at this point in time, but I, I would, I, my money is not on, smart money's not on the Pac-12. Uh, I, I would say that's for sure. I'm not sure how you could look at that conference and think they're in a position of power. It just feels like things have shifted too much. And, you know, USC and UCLA, like that is the biggest market you had. Like Los Angeles is, I mean, you know, they've had Pac-12 tournaments there and they've had you know, Pac-12 championship games in that area. And, you know, it's it's a hub for them. And to lose those schools, lose those brands, I mean, that's, that's part of the, you know, that's part of the Pac-12 yeah, universe. So, uh, no, it's going to be tough for them to hang on. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount+. Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day. In the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. What, uh, what, what's in your future, what's your vision look like for college football? How do you think it, it, it's going to look? How do you think it should look? Um, whether that's, you know, just one major conference, you know, league type thing, or, you know, three twenty team conferences, or what, what, where do you think uh, we're going to, you know, uh, land? Yeah, we're heading for, for super leagues. I just think I bring this up a lot. Like, the one thing you have to understand, and I'm not sure the TV people understand this, is that, um, so if you're a Baylor fan, I know Baylor, this is a Baylor podcast, but like, if you're a Baylor fan and you don't have the opportunity to play against Alabama or Clemson, Ohio State, or whoever, you know, even Ole Miss, right? Like, in, in a world where an SEC is a power conference, we just saw, you know, we just saw Baylor beat Ole Miss in a bowl game, in, in, a, in a sugar bowl, nonetheless. Like, it, if that's the case, 
you know, and we just saw that happen. I, I know Matt Corral got hurt, whatever. And we also saw Oklahoma State beat Notre Dame too. I know the coaching changed everything, but like they still won that game. But those schools no longer have the opportunity to compete against the other schools that we just talked about. Like oh, Baylor can't play Ole Miss anymore because Ole Miss is in the SEC and Baylor's not. Why should Baylor fans, who I, guys I'd venture to say a whole lot of them are Dallas Cowboy fans, go and watch college football? Why should they watch Alabama versus Clemson? Why should they watch Alabama versus Ole Miss or Alabama versus Ohio State or Michigan versus take your pick of, you know, these teams we're hearing about. Um, if it, we're going to professionalize college football and cut out, you know, 60% of the FBS, right. um, I can watch professional football on Sundays, guys, and it's a better product, right? Like, it, you know, the, the football quality, at least the players are better. I mean, Dak Prescott is a better quarterback than everybody in college football. It's just a, just a fact, you know, that, that's, that's how this thing works. So, you know, like how many agnostic NFL fans do you know out there? Not many. How many agnostic college football fans do you know out there? Not many. We all have skin in the game, right? If you take out the skin in the game for everybody, my question is sure you might have your big markets, but, but you can't just cut out the entire country. Like, why should we care at all about any of the, you know, it, I went to Mizzou. If, if they kick out Missouri out of the SEC, okay, why should I watch SEC football? Why should I watch Big Ten? Because I've done it my whole life. Well, okay, sure. But also, you know, I can get my football fix on Sundays. Like, I don't need, you know, I watch, I, I sit down every single week, guys, and at the end of it, I'm like, I watch so much football. Wow. I felt like it was like way too much, but part of it's our job, part of it's I want to. But, like, if, if my job is just covering the Big 12 and, you know, watching those games or whatever, and they, they tell us to, you know, give us the middle finger and say goodbye, like, why should we care about them? Why should we care about them at all? That's my one concern. That's my one worry is that we are heading for a situation like that, which would be, in my opinion, a complete disaster. A 60-team league, maybe, that's fine. But, like, 40? I mean, come on. There's 130 FBS teams. You're going to tell 90 FBS teams to kick rocks? It just seems unlikely to me. Or if they do it, it's a big mistake. I couldn't agree I, more. I, I couldn't agree more there. Um, we're already getting rid of kind of what makes college football special in the first place. And then if you start eliminating schools from the national conversation completely, what are, what are we going to – like, like what's what, the point? Yeah, exactly. What reason is there? Is like, why should fan? why should Baylor fans care about what happens to Alabama football and Georgia football? Like, you know, guys. I mean, Baylor this year was one. You know, if they don't let Chandler Morris go absolutely, you know, crazy, uh, they're in the conversation for a CFP, right? And also, like, there's a reason. Why do we pay attention on on that last college? You know, on that last Saturday, championship Saturday. Why do we pay attention to, to the um, the SEC championship game? Why do we pay attention to the Big Twelve championship game? Why do we look at the AAC championship game? Why? Because they all mattered for our teams, right? We all had skin in the game. We could all get there. If you tell Cincy and Houston and Baylor and OK State and Cincinnati you know, and all those schools, uh, hey, sorry, fellas, it just doesn't matter. Like, it just doesn't matter at all. OK, once again, why should we care? Yeah, I think part of the lore of college football is that Hey, it's it's really entertaining. NFL might be, you know, a better product, but I think college football is is more entertaining uh, across.
across the board. And part of that entertainment stems from the fact that there there's hope for every school, every fan base across the country that an Appalachian state can go in and beat Michigan uh, that, you know, um, you know, potentially like a, a Boise state could be right in the BCS uh, uh, championship game conversation. Um, you know, that a Cincinnati could qualify for a playoff. And I think the direction that we're heading, if it does end up saying like, Hey, here's 45 teams or, or so and locks everybody else out. Like, Hey, only, you know, we're just going to do 40, 40 team conference, 50 team conference, and then select eight teams, the best eight teams to play at the end on, in a tournament or whatever. Then I, I think that's definitely a mistake. I, I would mm-hmm. agree with you, Josh. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. I think also too, I mean, I, I pitched this a bunch, but like uh, I'm a huge believer in uh, promotion and relegation of a big soccer fan. Um, I was going to ask. Yeah. 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 So I'm a huge believer in this. Uh, I did a full episode about it. You know, if you want to check that out, go to Locked on Big 12. I'm not going to do the whole dissertation for you guys, but it, you know, I was actually working today with Tom Luganbill from ESPN. He mentioned like a G5 playoff would be great. Yeah. It would suck. If there's nothing on the line, like who cares? Seriously. Like who cares? If Cincinnati played Houston, if Baylor played, I just pick your school guys who's not in the SEC, and you said, all right, this is for a spot in next year's uh, in, in next year's SEC. It's for a spot in next year's Big Ten. This is for a spot in a, in the playoff this season, right? And that's also I think the one thing we don't realize is like if if we add AQs, fellas, we basically extend the playoff, right? If you make automatic qualifiers, uh, the conference championship games become playoff games, essentially, which is great. But, like, to extend this this theory, you know, there should be relegation games. So, if you split up the SEC into two 10-team leagues, the two schools that finish ninth and 10th should play a game to where the winner gets to stay up, the loser gets to go and play in a different league. The winner of the, uh, of you know, uh, the lower league, whatever it is, gets to go up. So obviously Vanderbilt, you know, see ya. Sorry, you're going. But even my Missouri Tigers could be in that spot where you might have a see a moment. You know, th- the games become so much more compelling because of how much money is on the line. And if we're leaning into the money, if that's all we're going to do, then why the heck not? Some people might say this is college sports. Not really, not anymore. So like if we're going to have, you know, UCLA playing Rutgers every year in every sport just to make money, then why the hell do we not do some promotion relegation? The guys, the bet, the, the game, the, the relegation games would be fantastic theater. The promotion games would be these unbelievable swings of emotion. You cannot tell me that. And that's the thing is it keeps everybody involved. It gives everybody a shot and ensures that, you know, whatever kind of system you want to set up, like it makes sure that, Hey, you know, maybe Baylor goes 11 and one and is not in the SEC or big 10 uh, that way. They'd automatically get them, you know, that, that would automatically grant them in, in there, but maybe a 10 and two Cincinnati has to play a 10 and two Oklahoma state or a nine and three Texas tech, you know? And so you have a, you have a miniature playoff to get into the big leagues, keep everybody involved. I, I guarantee you people watch those games. I guarantee you they watch them in, in Europe. They like, t- they call them like, $300 million games and people watch them and they put them at Wembley stadium, you know, in England, cause they're so big. So promoters to relegation, I think would be great for the sport as a way to keep everybody involved and not alienate all of the fan, you know, uh, 70% of college football fans. Yeah. yeah. 
That's an idea Andrew's mentioned to me before. I know he's a really big fan of that. Yeah, would that would that be Josh? Uh, just on Championship Saturday, obviously you have the cha- conference championship games, and then you also have like the bottom, you know, the other you know relegation games. The, the no, day. because well, because what you do is like so, like it, you know, in soccer, right? I mean, I've said this before, but the EPL they name a regular, they they name a champion the regular season. In the uh, the league below them, um, three teams get to move up. Teams one and yeah. two automatically move up. Three yeah. through six play a four-team playoff for the last spot. I'm totally into that. So, like, your conference cha- champion is is whoever wins your regular season, which, honestly, you know, that, that's kind of the way it should be anyway. Like, in basketball, I think conference tournaments are normally, you know, superfluous, and uh, football is kind of the same way, too. Like, you know, I, I, think the con- I think the conference champion is the best team who is, you know, who's throughout the whole season – not on just one particular day. Um, so I think, you know, you maybe reward teams one and two and they get sent up automatically and teams three through six play a four team playoff. You know, and that, and that kind of takes the place for championship game. And let's be honest, guys, like that's more, if the big 12 is made, not one of the big leagues and you know, they have their teams to fight to get up. Like that's more compelling than a conference title game. Would you guys not agree? 100% agree. Yeah, and that leads right into the last question that I have for you, which is how confident are you and Brett Yormark to keep the Big 12 a power conference? I've said this a bunch. I actually liked how honest he was. He mentioned he's like, I'm, not, you know, I've watched the Big 12 casually from afar. Um, he's a business guy, and I love that about him. He was like, you know, you know, he's not trying to act like he, you know, before this, he loved the atmosphere at McLean Stadium when they beat OU, <laughs> or he, you know, he loves the atmosphere when – Baylor travels to, uh, you know, Allen Fieldhouse to go and play KU. No, he said, I was, I've been a casual fan before. I've watched before. He's in for the business, though, boys. That's what he's here for. He's here to make some stacks for the league. And so, um, you know, I like that focus. And he mentioned things like incremental, uh, you know, uh, incremental um, uh, revenue streams, right? It's not. He wants it not to be a situation where it's like, all right, grant of rights, that's it. You know, that's how we make money. No, he wants beyond that. So, I, I'm pretty confident in, in what he's going to do, and he, I, I hope he's pretty aggressive. Andrew, you got anything else? No, no, I, I, I don't have anything else. I really love all, the, all, the, all those ideas, Josh. I'll definitely have to, uh, to chew on those a little bit more. Um, but fantastic insight, uh, as always. So, yeah, everybody you know, definitely make sure to check out uh, Josh's uh, content that, that he produces for Locked On Big 12 and I guess Locked On Nationals as well. So Yes. Both. Yeah, that was great. Um, thanks for coming on and, and thanks everybody for listening. Baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.